The final edition Radio Hour is a work of satire intended for people who own books, gentrify neighbourhoods and say they like kale. Please consume responsibly the satire, that is. Hi, I'm Jeff Chrysler, and I'm Fake Tony Hendra, and this is the final edition Radio Hour. Fake Tony, I gotta tell you, it is really great to see you, or hear you, guys, be you. Why is that, Jeffers? Because you, you are a strange little man, and this week we have a strange little show. Oh, that doesn't sound good. No, 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 the show is funny, it's hilarious. I've actually laughed more than I have in recent weeks at all. It's just that we've got a lot of absurd, out there, sort of conceptual stuff this week, and we're not that heavy on politics. Well, you know, the election itself is great comedic theater of its own right. How could you make fun of... No, no, Tony, don't do that. Okay, we're not going to become one of those wimpy outlets that says, oh, you can't make fun of politics because it's so crazy. It's that, that is such a cop-out. Okay, there's always something to make fun of. You can always ridicule the powerful. You can go, no, 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 that's not it. First of all, even our silly, absurd stuff makes some valid social and political points. And second of all, we've just been really busy. It's true. I mean, we do have that album that's about to come out. Are there any triggers here tonight? Right. And Howl FM, the subscription service of Earwolf, just commissioned us to produce a special satire series on the Supreme Court. Right. And we're planning that world tour of the one-man Jeff and Fake Tony show. Right. No. Not gonna happen. Oh, well. I guess this is still the final edition Radio Hour. From the acclaimed filmmaker who brought you The Civil War on PBS comes Ken Burns' Captain America Civil War. It was a titanic struggle that tore men's souls. During a lull in the fighting, one soldier wrote home. Dearest mother, I write to assure you that I am well. Today, Captain America came around to lift our spirits and to show us some tricks he did with his shield. The fighting has been fierce. I've never seen such CGI. I dare say we'll win an Oscar for sound effects editing, God willing. Indeed, many brave souls would not... What the hell is up with these goddamn sound effects? This isn't a Ken Burns film. It's a Marvel Comics movie. Oh, my mistake. Never mind. Carry on. Captain America Civil War. In theaters now. And now, Paul Ryan goes to confession. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Are you sure, Paul? Last time you spent your entire confession proving that you couldn't possibly have sinned because your heart is pure. Confession is less expensive than a shrink. These days you can claim shrinks on Obamacare. Get thee behind me, Satan. Okay, Mr. Clean. How many impurities this week? Just one. That's progress. And who was the unfortunate woman? <sighs> Hillary Clinton. I was flirting with the idea of voting for her in before... I know how that can go, Paul. Once I was thinking how much I admired Mother Teresa for her stand against abortion. And before I knew it... <laughs> friggin' Trump! Whoa! No circumlocutions for filthy curse words in this confessional, Paul. How dare he say my beloved Republican Party isn't the Conservative Party? 
that he's the number one conservative. Bullfeathers. Paul, I warned you. I'm the number one truly infallible, 99.99% pure, uncorrupted, uncompromised conservative in the USA. I'm the one who said that now the socialist 20th century is behind us. It's time to drag the USA kicking and screaming into the 19th century. Me. No, that might be the sin of pride, Paul. They call me Little Polly Ryan with the big blue Irish eyes, the great hope of the GOP. That's true, Paul. You have lovely blue eyes and you're white. <laughs> How dare he? There's no Republican like me. It never has been. I'm calm. I'm classy. I'm clear thinking. I'm imperturbable. I'm a freaking intellectual. Paul, I won't warn you again. I know what it's like to be poor. I understand the poor. Your family's made a fortune in construction, Paul. Your net worth is in tens of millions. That's why I want to help them. Help them help themselves. Without the terrible burden of government assistance. Just like Jesus would. Can the godless billionaire Trump say that? He can, and probably will. If Trump bumps me, what will happen to all those marvelous, inventive, conservative programs I planned? Abolishing wasteful Medicare and replacing it with a faith-based healthcare program that won't cost a penny called Metaprayer. Well, now, I like the sound of that. Giving slow learners their own low-cost slow track so faster kids have more dollars per scholar. It's called the Slow Child Left Behind program. Brilliant. Replacing the food stamp program with the federal food stub program, which repurposes the millions of tons of food Americans throw in the garbage as tasty meals for the disadvantaged. You're a waste management visionary, Paul. You want a safety net for the very poor? I give you the very poor safety net. Pope Francis would love that. God! Out the window with the conservative American dream. Trump is a social register socialist. <laughs> Paul, my advice as a Jesuit would be charity towards Mr. Trump. You mean give the bastard whoremonger billionaire money? What I really mean, Paul, is you keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Fond him, yes, but not too much. So he has to give up some of his lavish lifestyle. Like flying around in that big fat jet. You, you mean the, the, the small plane option? Usually we reserve that for the left-wing Democrats like Paul Wellstone and Mel Carnahan. We've been wondering about doing Bernie Sanders, but wouldn't that be a, a pretty big um, uh, sin? You would be doing God's work, Paul. He hates Donald Trump. And I'll tell you what, if you're worried about that at all, I'll absolve you in advance. Amen to that, Father. Bow your head, my son. Absolvo te. In nomine Jesu Christi, Domine. Hello. Welcome to Marriage Counseling, Sharon and Ozzy. I saw reports of your marital problems in the media, and I was very saddened. I'm glad you're going to try counseling. Thank you, Doctor. I'm really at my wit's end. <laughs> right. The key is communication. Say it with me. One, two, three, communication. Okay, I think. Ozzy, do me a favor. Look your wife in the eye and tell her, I understand that you are upset. All right then, that's a start. 
How does that make you feel, Sharon? Not good. He just told me Mufflefish stick copper ball rivet fern dabble. Yes, that's what I thought he said. This may take a while. I'll put you down for Wednesdays at three. Oh, rivet fern dabble. <laughs> yes, I'm making a note of that. Thank you, Doctor. Ozzy, I, I still love you. Oh, you. We're making progress here. Oh, dear. Now, kiss. Oh, no. Is this your two tomorrow? Now, Sharon, unzip his pants. That's why he keeps the gloves. Welcome to the Dylan Boyle Show, the show about Dylan Boyle and his life doing the Dylan Boyle Show. And now, here's Dylan Boyle. Hey, this is Dylan Boyle. This is the Dylan Boyle Show. It's a show about me, Dylan Boyle, and life in my apartment. I just got up, so that's the beginning of the show, and uh, now I'm going to go brush my teeth and go to work. But first, I'm going to say hi to my roommate, Kevin, who's doing his own show. Hey, hey Dylan, Kevin, how's, how's the it going? Oh, pretty good. I'm, I'm just going to brush my teeth and, and uh, then I'm going to go to work. Cat. Well, well, that, that sounds, sounds great. great. See, you, See later. you later. That was Kevin. You can catch uh, the Kevin Doherty Show online. Hey, I'm uh, heading into the bathroom, so I'll catch you after the break. The Dylan Boyle Show is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace, we sponsor every podcast for some reason. Set up your show on Squarespace. Hey, welcome back to the Dylan Boyle Show. Uh, I'm at work now. My boss, Ron Mayberry, is just about to bring me on to his show. Ladies and gentlemen, you know him from the Dylan Boyle Show. Please welcome my employee, Dylan Boyle. That's my cue. Hey, Ron, it's great to be here. Dylan, thanks for coming into work today. So what am I doing? I need you to type closed captions for Mary Carson's show while John Seabridge types closed captions for your show. That sounds amazing. Dylan Boyle, everybody, catch his show online. And now I'm going to look at pictures of my dog. That was my boss, Ron Mayberry, on the Ron Mayberry Show. Hey, uh, I better call my girlfriend's show and tell her I'm going to be late to her show. Hey, everybody. It's Dylan Boyle calling into the Marcy Allen Show. Hi, Dylan. Hey, Marcy. Uh, and hello, everybody at the Marcy Allen Show. This is Dylan Boyle. My boss, Ron Mayberry, gave me some work, so I'm going to be late to your show tonight. No worries, Dylan, because guess what? Something amazing has happened, and you and I aren't doing a show anymore. We're not. No, I'm ending my show with you and starting a new show with your roommate, Kevin. Kevin Doherty from The Kevin Doherty Show. It'll be airing nightly out of your apartment where you'll be able to hear it on your show. Wow, that's some cross-promotion. I know. Gotta go. We're doing a show right now. Okay. Uh, that was Marcy, my girlfriend. Uh, ex-girlfriend. This show has been brought to you by Audible.com, or maybe LegalZoom. Nope, Squarespace again. Squarespace, why aren't you doing a show? What's the matter with you? Set up your show on a web page built by Squarespace. Doctor, uh, doctor, excuse me, doctor. I've swallowed a fly, and I want to know, is it serious? Hmm, well, that depends. How old are you, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, I don't mind at all. I'm 91. Ah. Oh, dear. You see, 
and younger middle-aged women. Swallowing a fly generally doesn't present too big a risk, but in older women such as yourself. Oh, you don't mean? Well, you might be fine, or. <gasps> or what? Perhaps you'll die. <gasps> Perhaps I'll die. I could die. Perhaps it's possible. I'm afraid, but try to keep calm. I'm going to prescribe you this spider. A spider? Well, now I didn't go to medical school, but well, I did. So you're going to have to trust me. You swallow the spider to catch the fly. <clears throat> Do you know why you swallowed a fly? Well, it was my great grandson's birthday party, and I right. Now let's see how that spider's working. Some wriggling and wiggling and jiggling inside you, I see. Is that a good sign, Doctor? Is a spider wriggling and wiggling and jiggling inside you a good sign? Hmm. No, not really. Oh, Doctor, please help me. There must be something you can do. Let me think. Yes, got it. I'll prescribe you this bird. A bird? Now this might be a little uncomfortable, but an adjuvant bird really is the optimum treatment. Well, well, a, a bird. You swallow the bird to catch the spider. You swallowed to catch the fly. Now open wide. Oh, I don't know why I swallowed that fly in the first place. If I had only known the consequences. How does that bird feel? Well, the wriggling, wiggling, and jiggling inside me is a lot better. Good. That's good. Only now there's a most uncomfortable flapping. Flapping? Oh no! Is that serious? No! 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 Nothing to be alarmed about at all. Nurse! Nurse! Fetch the cat and fetch a precautionary dog too. While you're at it, stat. We might have to intubate. No time to lose. Cat, dog, dog, cat. You swallow the dog to catch the cat. You swallow the cat to catch the bird. You swallow the bird to catch the spider. It wriggled and wriggled and jiggled inside her. Huh? Exactly. And I swallowed the spider to catch the fly. I don't know why you'd swallow a fly. Perhaps I'll die. Not if I have anything to do with it. I graduated forty-first in my class at Johns Hopkins. Good. Good. Looking good, I think. Yes, yes. <coughs> oh no, that's not good. I'm afraid we'll have to. No, doctor, it's too dangerous. God damn it, nurse! I can't lose another one this morning. It's time for the horse. A horse? It's your only hope, nurse. Hand me the saw and the spreader. But <laughs> going to have to crack your jawbone. This might sting a little. Do it! Do it, old woman! Swallow that horse! Swallow it! Swallow the horse! She's dead. Of course. The final edition radio hour will be right back, just like your cancer. Welcome back to the final edition radio humpback. Sarah, this restaurant is so shishi. How do you pronounce the name? Tomate. It's supposed to be fantastic, but I know you're a picky eater. Look, as long as they have ketchup, I'll be fine. Hi, folks. I'm Sven, your server. What would you like? I heard that you guys have a great French fry platter. You heard right. It comes with a selection of our house-made sauces. We have、uh... no need, my man. 
I will take your simplest, most American ketchup, please. Oh, I'm afraid we don't carry ketchup. You don't carry ketchup? The most used condiment in America? Actually, last year salsa surpassed ketchup, but perhaps you'd like to try our tomato vinegar aioli. That sounds an awful lot like ketchup. That sounds like ketchup to you? No thanks. What else you got? We have a dark sun-dried chutney. Pass. Tangy tomato dressing. Nope. Sort of a pureed cherry tomato jam. Hmm. But not ketchup, huh? No, sir. I'm pretty sure that's all ketchup. Ugh, women. Am I right? <laughs> I wouldn't know. No. What else you got? A vinegar campari mayonnaise. Ugh, gross. I see. How would you feel about a smooth Roma remoulade? I would feel slighted, frankly. We do make a great romesco, wherein we replace the traditional peppers with tomatoes. Ugh, insulting. I'm sure you'll like our tomato hollandaise. Poison. Tomato tahini hummus. You're not serious. What about a whipped tomato tzatziki? What about it? Patrick, please, everything he's mentioned sounds like a ketchup. Just because they don't call it that doesn't mean it won't taste the same. Well, there is one more sauce. We have an artisanal catsup. It is completely identical to ketchup, just spelled funny. Just forget it. Do you guys have any mustard? We have a yellow deli wasabi. Ugh, no. We have a minced Dijon crema. No, thank you. We have a spicy brown au jus. Nah. We have a whole grain yellow ketchup. No, wait, what? We have a sweet honey alfredo. No, gross. We have a uh, yellow sauce. Any Danish Finberg? No. Czechoslovakian sheep's milk cheese? No. Venezuelan beaver cheese? Not today, sir. Alright. This is it, Stuart. It's time to do this. It's time to finally play in the drum circle. You've perfected your beats all winter long. Let's go show them what you're made of. All you have to do is walk over there and sit down in the circle. Look! Someone's getting up! Now's your chance! Dang! The guy with the huge earrings that stretches earlobes out sat down. I hate that guy! Jeez, listen to yourself, Stu. It's not big earlobes that you hate. It's yourself for not being brave enough to join this sick drumming posse. Just listen to them. They're so fluid, so rhythmic. They're not a collection of individual drummers. They're a drumming machine. Any reasonable person would kill to be a part of that. Come on, Stu. What's the matter? You're a good drummer. A really good drummer. You can hang with those studs. On the count of three, let's do this. A one, two, three. A one, two, three. A one, two, three. <laughs> Look at me! <laughs> a part of a drum circle! <laughs> no, you're not! This doesn't count! You're not a drum circle! You're not even a drum line! You're a drum point! There's nothing special about that! Are you drumming with your drumming brethren? No! Are you gazing into the eyes of your drumming family as you drum in drumming harmony? No! You're not in the circle! Be in the circle! Oh, God, they spotted you. Hey, guys. Nice drum circle you got there. What? No, I, I can't I can't hear you over all the drumming. Be cool, Stu. Be cool. What did you say? What, what, am, what am I holding? Uh, is it a drum? Yes. Say yes. No, no. Oh! What, what is it if, if it's not a drum? It is a drum. 
It is a drum! Oh, it's an end table! No! That, that's right. It's just a boring old end table. <laughs> What's that? You want me to play my end table like it's a drum in your drum circle? Do it! Do it, Stu! Go! Sorry. <laughs> I don't know the first thing about drumming. Oh, come on! Uh, thanks for the offer, though. And you guys have fun! I'm gonna kill you in your sleep. Adam? Is that you? Yeah, I had God make you a present. Surprise! It's a snake. Yeah, it makes noise while it's approaching. The problem I had wasn't that I didn't know the snake was coming. It's that I did what it said. Maybe if you'd listen to me, you'd know that. Maybe if you'd listen to God, we'd all still be in Eden. But you didn't. And I got you a present anyway. And you can't even say thank you. Fine. You can put your thing in my hole. Wow, sweetie, this Trader Joe's parking lot sure is crowded. I know, Jared, but we must be patient. Look out, Jared! That fucking asshole! Did you see that? Pulling in front of me like that and stealing my parking space. I'm gonna take out my gun and scare him! Now, now honey, calm down. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do in a similar situation? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Wow, sweetie, this Trader Joe's parking lot sure is crowded. I know, Jesus, but we must be patient. Look out, Jesus! What? That fucking asshole! Did you see that? Pulling in front of me like that and stealing my parking space? I'm going to take out my gun and scare him. Now, now, honey, calm down. You're Jesus. What would mm. you do? Uh, you're right. I'll go out and reason with the man. Uh, excuse me, sir? Yeah, what? <laughs> For, I forgive you. For what? Well, for taking my parking space? Well, what I'm trying to say is no one is perfect, and sometimes we get upset when people are rude, but, you know, if you show true understanding and kindness, you'll be repaid in this life or the next. You see... Veronica? Uh, is that you? Yes. Eric. I'm married now. To Jesus. Yeah, okay, Whatever. You want to go see Batman v Superman? Yeah, sure. Okay. What the fuck? Sorry, Jesus, but I need a break. You're too controlling. What, what about the kids? They're not yours. Sorry, Jesus. <laughs> you forgive me now? <laughs> uh, well, of course. I, I forgive you, my son. I, I forgive both of you. See you. Whatever. Later. Bye. Okay. You guys need anything from Vaughn's? No? <sighs> All right. <laughs> Vote for Hillary. Oh, ah, Jesus. He's got a gun. Oh, everybody oh, get down. Ah. 
gotta get the fuck out of this vines. I'm gonna eat all this ice cream and shoot myself in the mouth. Oh my god! I'm so full of ice cream. Oh, man, I love Neapolitan. Strawberry, chocolate, vanilla. Mmm. Ah, I think I'm going to throw up. Jesus, we know you're in there. Throw down the gun and come out with your hands up. Okay, you got me. Give me a few seconds, all right? I'll be right out. I promise to cooperate. I'm, I'm Jesus. Let's see. Where's the asparagus? Ah, oh, there it is. Fuck you, Vodge Club! One, two, three. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? In a similar situation, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Fuck you, Vaughn's Club! Hey, this is Luigi, the laughing at me. Come on, Final Edition Radio. I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Final Edition Radio Hour. Every now and then, the Final Edition Radio Hour takes the opportunity to interview some of the great men and women of comedy, media, politics, and all sorts of arts and letters. Is that a thing? I like the they use the word great. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes they're great, and sometimes we interview them. But For today, you... President uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Yes. John Stewart. Liam McEnany. In that order, actually. What's what's uh, ironic is not a lot of people know how funny Teddy Roosevelt was. Um, <laughs> he, he Well, you know, he had the guy in his family with the wheelchair. Right. And um, that really sets up your, your comedy chops. Anyway, as you may have guessed, we have a guest today. And that guest is uh, someone who I have known since I started doing comedy in New York City, which I didn't start here. I started elsewhere. Yeah, you started in San Francisco. I didn't start in San Francisco. Uh, our guest today is Liam McEnany. I you always know, wonder if I say that right. Is it McEnany? McEnany. Son of a dick. No, it's okay. I have a friend named Rob Paravonian, who you know. Yeah. And for the first maybe 15 years that I knew him, I pronounced it Rob Paravonian. As do I still. And then one day I called him and I got his voicemail and it said, you have reached Rob Paravonian. And I honest to God for a second was like, oh, he's pronouncing his name wrong. <laughs> yeah. But took, was it him saying his name or was it Yeah, yeah it was other? him. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, then I was like, oh, that's probably the right way to say it. Yeah, but he's too Midwestern polite to con to contradict me. Um, Liam and I uh, know each other from uh, it's probably been how fifteen I've been years, and 15 I would years. say I met you first at the ten seventeen open mic at the Gershwin Hotel. Yeah, that, that would be my guess. We go back a bit in New York comedy. New York comedy. Um, I, as Liam said, I started in San Francisco. You started here, right? I started. You know what's interesting though is like you're from San Francisco. And a lot of really funny political comedians start in, in San Francisco. You, uh, Kamau Bell, Jim Earl, mm-hmm. uh, fucking... Nato Green. I mean, uh, Bill Nato Durst Green. is out there. He's Will still Durst. out there. Well, there's always... I mean, one, we're jumping ahead to where one of the questions I want to Oh, I'm to sorry. No, just... no, it doesn't matter. There's no order here. Uh, I'll just say Liam will mention later. Has also, Mark coming Twain. out. Mark Twain was well-known. He said... Uh, 
The summer and the coldest winter I ever spent was summer in San Francisco, and man, there are a lot of gays out here. <laughs> he also, he also <laughs> said, I think I stole that joke from Brian Mallow, so no one shoots me. He also said, if you don't like the weather in San Francisco, just wait 15 minutes. Yeah. He also said, hey, I've got an idea for a great app. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, Mark Twain would ha- Mark Twain would have a field day with this election, am I right? He, al- he also said, please uh, take back the Bill Cosby Award that you gave in my name. In 2005. I know. So, you know, my I once got a Mark Twain uh, prize. It was actually at an open mic. Some homeless guy in San Francisco mm-hmm. said I reminded him of Mark Twain. Now, listen. Well, that's because f- you keep saying the N-word in your act. <laughs> I do. Nuance. I keep saying <laughs> <laughs> nuance. Um, I'm glad we brought up sort of uh, historical moments, relatively speaking, historical moments in comedy, because one thing I was interested in talking to you about is the change that comedy has undergone since you started and I started, I started in like end of 99, 2000. Is that about when you started? I started or, 20 years ago. 20 years. So May 12th. It'll be 20 years. Yeah, exactly. Congrats. Happy, uh, happy birthday. Thank you. Anniversary. Thank you. Um, I, I feel good about it. So you have, you have a perspective. I think uh, I got the end of and my perspective on our era of comedy. Yours a little uh, deeper um, is that when we started, there was no comedy boom. You did comedy sort of because it was a calling and you had no choice or you were criminally insane. Right. Is yeah. that what you saw then? And, and how have you seen comedy evolve in whatever different ways that you tend to answer? You're absolutely right. It was... Um, and I almost feel like it's become very well documented now, which is a weird thing. Hmm. But the, there was the comedy boom of the 80s that fizzled out in the early 90s. Uh, suddenly there was no work. Um, the clubs weren't like comedy clubs in New York weren't really like a thing. Like I used to, when I was 17, I would go to the comedy cellar. I would cash out my paycheck at my shitty job. Excuse my language. If this is over the air, we're allowed to swear. There's a lady listening. So I hope, uh, that's our one listener. Don't, don't don't alienate her. No, no. But, uh, but, but, you know, it's like, I remember I would go to the comedy cellar every, every like uh, weekend and it'd be really easy to get a seat late night, you know, because there was just basically one show that would run all night. And I would see, like, Dave Attell, Dave Chappelle, yeah. Wanda Sykes, like, all these great comics who were working their stuff out still. Uh, <clears throat> and then there seem, we seem to be in the middle of a new comedy boom, except there's a comedy boom where comedians don't make money. Yeah. Well, it's a comedy. I, I look at it as, like, a comedy content boom. Everyone is a comedian. Right. From the person that sends forwards an email right. to Twitter accounts and YouTube. I mean, I, I don't want this to become, like, a, a bitch fest about no, no, stuff. No, no. Well, I think it's good, in well, a way. It's good, it's good you brought up Twitter because, like, I remember when Twitter was first a thing, there were all these articles that were like, now everybody's a monologue writer. And it's like, yeah, but most people are bad at it. And that's yes. why they don't have those jobs is because they're not funny and they're just basically doing the not funny version of the jokes right. you see on TV every night. Well, do you think that the whatever you call this comedy boom, this era of like comedy everywhere has made comedy less edgy? I mean, I, I have a... Go. Let me. You just. I would say the era of comedy everywhere is a great way to put it. That's just what I wanted to jump in and say that. Well, good. Uh, Then let's let's. That'll be the name of our next podcast. (laughs) The era of comedy everywhere. Tonight we're recording it right now. It'll be a ten-second podcast every day. (laughs) (laughs) It'll just be the title, and then um, my my feeling is like I look at it as as you know like myself and Tony Hendra and this show sort of have a a satirical approach, like a a social message we try to mix in with our comedy for better or worse, and. Sometimes I look at the broad comedy now and say, you know, people aren't being social. But then I say, well, actually, there's more people 
doing. Maybe there's a million comedians, but then there are people like uh, Hari Kondabalu, um, right. Nagin, Kamal Bell. Um, you know, there and there are tons of people that are using that platform as much as there are people not. Um, and I just, it's like this era is is potentially great for comedy. It's just it's so much harder to um, get your head above water. You know, I would say there's a lot of comedians now who are making social points who are very funny, too. And then there's some comedians who are, like, slam poet comedians who yes. are, like, we I won't name any name names, names, but we know, we know exactly who we're talking about. But they're, like, but they, but they like, have latched onto this idea of this, like, progressive movement and have done well with it, which yeah. is great. Uh, but <clears throat> I would say what this era doesn't have, uh, what I don't see among young comics is, like, and I sound like an old man, Say but it. it's like there's no, and this is myself included. There's no like George Carlin or Richard Pryor, or Bill Hicks or Lenny Bruce or anyone like that who is willing to really like take a risk of being unpopular, uh, mm. it, you know, to or, or to say something that's just like uh, might offend people or might be shocking. Uh, right. You know, it, it, well, there are people I think that do that, but that's their thing. Like right. uh, the guy, like there's a Fox News comedian where his whole thing is to be obnoxious and, and be quote unquote shocking. Right. But I think you're looking at people that are that are great joke writers, great performers, smart, but also willing to like be controversial. Like Ann Coulter, right. I, I, I pronounce her name like that. Ann Coulter is basically <laughs> a comedian. Satan. Right, exactly. Satan Coulter is, uh, is basically like She's an entertainer. Yeah. yeah, she's a shock jock. And that's, you know, that's her job. She's right. a shock, shock jock. And she's very, very good at it uh, because she makes me furious. But it's like... <laughs> But the, but the thing is, like the like the thing about Pryor was he would say these incredibly personal things, mm-hmm. and then he would say these things that were political, not because he was trying to make a political point, but because he was a black man in America in right. the nineteen seventies and nineteen sixties and nineteen eighties, uh, and things that were inherently political. And then he would also do this dead on impression of a deer drinking out of a stream. Yeah, you know, and it was just it was just and Carlin was the same way where he had. 20 minutes just kind of fondly remembering Catholic school and goofing around. Right. We had more than 20 albums on that, you know? Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, Class Clown was right, a whole, right. you know, but then he would also be like, uh, Ronald Reagan is, is selling this country right. and, and you know, arms the for environment and all that. is criminal and these guys should be in jail. I wonder if some of it is the need to have a brand now in a way. I mean, A, you know, those those people, you know, you you know who they are and you trust them, so you go with them wherever they want to go. And now maybe if you have to Twitter or YouTube it or refine it to like to be heard in all the noise, you have to have a, a really knife a sharp as a knife edge brand, and so you can't be nuanced. Um, because I feel like there are people like like Louis C.K. is someone right. who has that opportunity, right. but you know uh, Amy Schumer has that opportunity. But there's a, only a few people that get to the level where you can look at their whole body of work and even they like do they really have that freedom to be this person like Carlin and and Pryor who are complex and talented and and lovable I think you know I think in a way the country's shift towards conservatism in the 2000s especially was good for comedy in that sense because give me a career (laughs) but not only that but it's like there's, it's always easier to have uh, to to have that con- to have that point of view of heard if it's the contrarian point of view. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it was harder in Obama's America, you know, to stand up and say like, you know, uh, I don't even know because because we were all kind of we were all kind of excited that Obama was president. We were all working towards the same goal. 
Whereas, like in the 1950s, it was it was easier to be Tom Lehrer, right? You know, making just singing these horribly scabrous songs about the Vatican, or, or you know, in the 1960s right. too. Well, what's been interesting is is you think that the Obama era would give rise to conservative comedians or conservative comedy, but again, it hasn't. I mean, that's a whole other conversation about why conservative comedians haven't really become successful. Right, and that's uh, I know I realize I'm talking out of my ass here, but no. I I do oh. think like you know. Um, I think unless, dude, if Trump gets elected president, you're going to see some of the most insanely funny political comedy yeah. you've ever, but I think, I think, I think John Stewart got out at the right time where it was just like, you know, one of the reasons why people were sharing daily show clips and talking about him and talking about Colbert was because you had this administration in office that was incredibly conservative and it was increasingly obvious that there was something wrong and the average person on the street was not able to articulate it and didn't have a platform because even with Facebook and Twitter and all that, you're right, you get lost in all this noise. And John Stewart and Stephen Colbert were able to kind of rise above that noise and, and have their voices heard. Well, they took it to like, it became a craft. I mean, I think you said earlier about everyone's a monologue writer. Yeah, it's crappy. Right. Or like you think about like Carlin and Pryor, like those guys crafted their act. And right. I think that like in many ways, the fact that, that the avenue to become a comedian now isn't that like just re hone it and hone it on stage all the time, which I admit I don't do as much as I used to, but I, right. I, had, a, I had a moment, you know, I had a good stretch where I did, I was on stage all the time. That really helps you hone things. And, and I think... Um, you know, to pay a compliment to you, and and <laughs> and I haven't heard your new album yet. We're going right. to play some clips, but um, from the material I remember, is it's very, it's it's honed, it's sharp. It reminds me. Don't get all blushy or make out with me on this. It reminds me of um, some element of like an early Steve Martin, and that Steve Martin was like. I'm not saying you're one of the smartest comedians there, but Steve Martin yeah. is a brilliant man. I mean, look at his body of work. But he like did an arrow through his head, and that's not what your act is. But like, right. like I will go to my. Um, I'm, I'm sorry if people have their their bits they remember, but uh, right. your Beastie Boys bit. Oh yeah, like uh, if you can remember it, you could tell it or of do course. the short version of it. Well, it's it's. Well, I mean, that's such an old bit, and I yeah. I don't do it, but it's like, um, yeah, it's, it's song fight for your right to party. That's mm -hmm. it, and um, you know, it's like there's a lyric that was like, "My mom took away my best porno mag," and first of all, what kind of party are you fighting for the right to throw, where you're going to need your best porno mag? And then there was a whole act out about someone's mom going through his porno mags looking for his very best. Yeah, that was the part I remember. The 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 mommy like, oh, this is definitely your worst yeah. porno or something like that. Anyway, my yeah. point is when you, I think when you face that fire of stand up, it helps you then in anything refine. Like I've taken, I mean, I never obviously popped as a huge stand up star, but I've taken what I learned from touring in West Virginia right. and I apply it to like writing books and doing what we do here on the final edition and right. just you know it's it's a well you also get fire. you get that ear mm -hmm. uh when you're writing after you've been on stage for about 10 years i think yeah. you start to get that ear in your head where you're just like this is where a laugh would be yeah or this is going too long we got this is, yeah but yeah but that, seriously that's the number one thing i always get is like it's too long dude like, editing is editing is so tough in yeah. comedy because especially me like i just you know, that was the nice thing about this album was I just was like, okay, I'm not going to do this tag for the album. And then I fucking did the tag I said I wouldn't do. And then it died on its ass the way I knew it would. And then I was like, well, I guess we're going to cut this out. <laughs> you got to try it, man. Look, I, I applaud getting an album done. I, I still struggle to get myself a good just like seven-minute tape just because like taping shit is so hard to stand. I don't believe that. 
uh, you're right. I'm great. I mean, no, uh, you're you're funny. It's just like I I think the struggle really is, and I know what you're talking about is take getting a seven-minute tape that TV bookers want to see. Well, TV bookers, and even that I want to see, because I'm always... I, I I never was like to do the same set a hundred times, and that's kind of what you have to do. Right. Anyway, let's not make this the Jeff hour. Um, Liam... No, no, Ma- my album's great. It's called yes. Working Class Fancy, and you should definitely buy it. Where can we find it? Just uh, online and find iTunes it. and all that? When does this drop? Uh, I believe it drops on May twentieth. Oh, it, this is the, then. Then the album's out today. You can order it on Amazon. You can order it on iTunes. You can order it uh, at Google Play Store. Um, that's can, enough places. It's Liam Magnet. It's called Working Class Fancy. Uh, if we have time, we'll play a clip from it. I'm not making any promises. We're we're busy people here. We got to do promos you for know, everyone. Make them Make yeah, for that. you know what? You don't get your free crap here. Yeah, man. Go and listen, and keep listening to the final uh, edition radio hour. Yeah, look um, for me on Napster if you want a free taste. Really? Look for me on LimeWire if you want a free taste. Oh, Pirate Bay. <laughs> Pirate. <laughs> it's an honor. When my book was getting, when I found my book being illegally downloaded, I considered it an honor. Oh, I did that concert film, Tell Your Friends, and I'm still oh, yeah. pissed that nobody's torrenting it. Uh, by the way, Lee, I, we didn't get your credits, but Liam has done some incredible work. Uh, you have a website. Uh, heyitsliam dot com. Hey h e y i t s l i a m dot com. People don't know how to or spell. Or you can go to workingclassfancy dot com, and it takes you right to that page on my website. Jesus, this is becoming infomercial for the internet, guys. This is the final edition <laughs> radio. Last. I know, I did. Thank you for joining Where's us, Tony Hendra. Uh, Tony Hendra is not, but fake Tony Hendra sometimes appears, and it's me doing this. <laughs> it's the best Tony Hendra impersonation on the show. <laughs> Thank you for joining us to Final Edition Radio Hour. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Final Edition Radio Hour. We love you so much. Okay, Jack, thanks for agreeing to work late, man. Uh, we have a lot to cover before the presentation tomorrow, and I think that we should start Gary- with... Gary... I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think it's only fair to tell you that I really wish you were a pizza right now. Um, what? I wish that instead of a human man, you were a pizza. What does that even mean? It's pretty self-explanatory, Gary. I just want you to be a pizza. Well, I'm still pretty confused, but let's just forget about it and get back to work, okay? So... Bottom line profits are going to go pretty well this fiscal year, but... Damn it! Gary! Why aren't you a pizza? It's all I can think about now. Why? Why do you want me to be a pizza? People would like you more if you were a pizza. People like me fine. Meh. What? People don't like me? Well, here, I'll show you. Hey, Becky, can you come over here a minute? Uh, yeah, Jack, what's up? Do you like Gary? Sure, he's alright. See? Now, Becky... Wouldn't you like him more if he were a pizza? Oh my god, yes. Like a million times yes. Can we do that now? Yes. What? Why? Come on, everyone loves pizza. I love pizza. But what about me? Doesn't everybody love Gary? Well, I mean, you're not pizza, so... Okay, thank you, Becky. You can head home. We won't need you anymore tonight. Good, because, damn it, Gary, I'm just getting sad now, thinking about how you are in a pizza. Jack, enough of this pizza talk. Let's just get back to work, okay? Do you have those sales figures? Sure, Gary. Our third quarter mushroom figure shows significant pepperoni growth, and... Ah, jeez, I'm sorry. I guess I just have pizza on the brain. Jack, this is highly unprofessional, and I don't really understand it, 
but you need to stop talking to me like this and focus or else. Hey, did you just pour pizza sauce and mozzarella on my head? Damn it, Gary, just be a pizza already. Hello, gentlemen. I'm here to check on your progress. Mr. Johnson. Wait a minute. I smell sauce and cheese and... Oh, good. Is Gary finally turning into a pizza? No. What? Jack just poured this on my head. Good work, Jack. You should have a bright future here. And Gary, you have 30 seconds to turn into a pizza or you're fired. Are you serious? Get out, Gary. We only want team players here. And everyone on this team agrees you'd be better if you were a pizza. Gather your things. The Domino's delivery guy will escort you out of the building. Okay, fine. I'm going. But I still don't understand. Well, that was unpleasant, but it had to be done, sir. Mr. Johnson! On his way out, Gary just turned into a pizza in the lobby. Oh, great! I'm starving! Jack. Send $15.99 plus delivery and tip to his widow. Welcome to the Medi-Cal Customer Service Line. For faster service, please enter the last four digits of your social security number. Please enter your five-digit zip code now. Take your age, add five, multiply by six, divide by three, divide again by two, and subtract your age. Enter that number now. I'm sorry, we could not process your request at this time. Please enter the last four digits of your social security number. Enter the number of times Paul Simon has appeared on Saturday Night Live. Guess how tall I am. That's absolutely right. I'm sorry, we could not process your request. Please enter the last four digits of your social security number. Please mash the number zero over and over until it short circuits this system and you actually talk to a live person. Please enter the last four digits of your social. Please enter the last four digits of your social. Please enter the last four. Please enter the last. Please hold. Your call is important to us. Welcome to Medi-Cal. How may I help you today? Uh, yeah, I just have a small address change. I was talking to a Medi-Cal Choice representative yesterday, and he said you have my address, but not my apartment number. All right. For identification purposes, may I please have the last four digits of your social security number? 9999. Your mother's maiden name? Brentwood Sunderland-Menderson... That's correct. Well, I see we actually have your apartment number. Really? Yes, it's just on the wrong line. Instead of being on the same line as your address, it's on the second address line. So it doesn't show up on some computers. That's why you're not getting some of your mail. Oh, well, let's fix that. Certainly, sir. For identification, may I please have the last four digits of your social security number? 4444. Your mother's maiden name? Vernon Koppelman Sender Versen Meyer Kinsen Shire. All right. 
just let me put my passcode in here. All right, let me try another passcode. All right, let me try a generic passcode. All right, let me try hitting random numbers. All right, let me try. I'm sorry for the delay. Oh, no, no, no. I knew this was coming. I took the day off work for this. All right. Now I'm going to have to leave the building and come back in again a few times. Do you want me to put you on hold or do you want me to leave the phone hanging so you can overhear the office conversation? Uh, leave the phone hanging. Yeah, that's fine. Got it. Be right back. No, you need therapy. I disagree. You are the one who needs therapy. No, you in fact are the person uh, in need of therapy. We may have to agree to disagree. No, you need therapy. I dispute that. You are the one in need of therapy. Two hours later. That's not what therapy is for. What does that matter? Because you have to know why you're in therapy if you're going to get something out of it. But I'm not in therapy. You need therapy. No, you're the one who needs therapy. I do not need therapy. Hello, is However, this Mr. Forbish Herman Bezer Sonmanshire? Uh, that's me. I'm going to connect you to an outside call from your customer service rep. Okay. Hello, sir. Hi, yeah. Okay, I have the passcode, but I had to go to Mexico for it, and now I can't get back in the country. Sure. So, first of all, I need you to put out some food for my dogs about two weeks' worth. Well, they'll just eat it all at once. Nah, my dogs are weird. They actually don't care about food. Really? Yeah, they're border collies. Oh, yeah, right, sure. Yeah, just leave some cans out. One of them knows the can opener. Got it. Then I need you to drive to Ensenada and find a smuggler with a hideous scar named... Pablo. What's the other scar's name? Jorge. Tell him you're Mr. Sander Meyer Besser's son, Mankin, and you've come for the package. Good luck. I love you. Excuse me. Are you the smuggler with a hideous scar named Pablo? Yes. My name is Guillermo. I have come for the package. Which package? This digital camera or the lady from the call center? The call center lady. Ah, see. Si. Do you have a receipt? That's sexist. Of course it is. Then I shall take you to her. You sure you don't want the digital camera, though? Nobody's claimed it in 90 days, and I've already got one. No, thank you. I just want to add my apartment number to the main line of my address. Ah, see. Si. I have seen men like you before. Desperate men, trying to make right what is wrong. Let us go with God. Oh, I'm hit! He just got you in the hand. See, si. but it is fatal. Take this amulet. It is important. Thank you, my brother. See, and take this compass. It will always point you to your destiny. That is interesting. Yes, and take this trail mix in case you get peckish. Also, there's half a turkey sandwich. Got it. And here's tickets to a minor league hockey game. It's the San Diego Gulls versus the Bakersfield Condors. I think I'm free that night. Uh, let's see. Um, what else? Uh, do you need bookshelves? Uh, I have bookshelves. It's not IKEA stuff either. This is very good. <laughs> Good evening. I have traveled through many deserts and many streets and two blocks to find the woman from the call center. So, they have a turkey sandwich guided you well. May I come in? You are already in. I know. I was being polite. Then please come in. Would you like a bookshelf? No, thank you. I've already got one. Then there is nothing left but to fight to the death. Yes, nothing left. Oh, hang on. I've got to tweet this. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, now, 
There's nothing left. Not the face. Those are new sneakers. You douchebag. Sorry, I did not tell you about my three henchmen. I suppose that made our fight asymmetrical. Before you kill me, why are you trying to stop me from adding my apartment number to the main line of my address? Because I am lazy. Goodbye, Mr. Morton. Stand on. Forbish. Manson. Meyer. Witskyville. What kept you? You're welcome. How are my dogs? I caught one of them selling your furniture on eBay. I can guess which one. Have you got the amulet? Right here. I studied it all week, but I couldn't figure out what it was for. Nothing. It's just pretty. Now get out that compass. We've got to get across the border within seven hours, and there's only one way to do it. In a single-engine plane piloted by Gary Busey. Six hours and 59 minutes later. There's nothing to be afraid of. you got to fight your fears. Truck running 16. Three hours later. And we're all set. So my apartment number is on the main line of my address, and there's nothing on the second line. Correct. Now I've just got to find out if I have dental coverage. I can transfer you to Dentical. Thanks. I'll never forget you. Please hold. The end? Thank you for listening to the Final Edition Radio Hour. Humans providing their voices to the Final Edition include Bruce Cherry, Jen Dodd, Jim Earl, Rob Gordon, Tony Hindra, Jeff Chrysler, Jeff Hendrick, Dan Vitale, Jessica Park, Barry Link, Ebby Parker, John Marshall, Rachel Rauch, Steve Rosenfield, James Mount, Rob Miller, Leah Krinsky, Kayla Merrill, Andrew Danish, Leslie Shapira, Ann Shell, Darby Worley, Ben Kirchner, Gil Barron, and Bridget Fitzgerald. Writers for the final edition include Bruce Cherry, James Mount, Jen Dodd, Jim Earl, Ben Kirchner, Bridget Fitzgerald, Rob Gordon, Gil Barron, Tony Hendra, Jeff Hendrick, Jessica Park, Ebby Parker, Jeff Chrysler, Barry Lank, Leah Krinsky, John Marshall, Kurt Weitzman, Eve Weston, Leslie Shapira, Kate Knowles, Jeremy Rayburn, and Steve Rosenfield. The final edition was produced and directed by Tony Hendra and Jeff Chrysler. West Coast production and direction by Barry Lank. Audio editing and sound design by Greg Russ and Andrew Hammond. The final edition is the property of the final edition LLC. Copyright 2016.